0: Life is complicated. There is the law, and there is reality. Welcome to Law & Reality,
1: sponsored by Thav Gross. Now, here's your host, Ken Gross. Welcome to this segment of Law & Reality. Brian Small, good to see you. Always
0: a pleasure to be here, Ken. Nice to see you today. I hope we're going to talk about something interesting and exciting, like estate planning mistakes that you don't want to make.
1: Isn't that what we're going to talk about today? That sounds exciting. Maybe. We'll see how exciting we can make it. We need to make it exciting. Actually, it is exciting because when you make the mistake, it is a bad situation, and it's something that you need to avoid. And the excitement part is understanding the mistake that you can make, and then the smart part of it is how to avoid that mistake. Yeah,
0: not making the mistake. So we hope you're listening and, and you enjoy the, the mistakes that can be made and learning how not to make them today. Right. So what
1: I'm doing what I've done is I've created a couple categories to lump each set of mistakes in. The first category is mistakes where I don't have the correct documents. That's that's so that's category number one. happens
0: is- all the time. Don't have the correct documents, don't have the documents, don't know where the documents are haven't got a clue, the persons that you've chosen in the documents might not even be alive anymore, all sorts of things that you got to worry well, about. Well, I've
1: got three instances that I want to go through. All right, I mean, one let's, is let's, let's go through them. No durable power of attorney. Big mistake. Okay, first of all, what is a power power of attorney, so, and why is that a mistake? The power of attorney is the document that
0: creates and gives someone else the authority to act as you. It can be a limited durable power of attorney. It can be a broad power of attorney. For example, a limited power of attorney might be something that you give somebody the authority to do a real estate closing, and that's the only thing that they have the authority to do. On the other hand, you might have a complete, full-blooded, durable power of attorney that gives somebody the authority to act on your behalf in all methods and manners, Something that we normally do for parents or for children and for or for spouses so that that person can act on your behalf. All right.
1: So take an example, elder, parent or spouse. You need to have that durable power of attorney in place so that you can suppose you're, you're the child and you're, your dad or your mom is not able to act on their own behalf or they need your help. If you have the durable power, you can go and you can take care of their banking, their finances. You can sign deeds if need to be done. You can do the things that need to get taken care of. Let me give well, you an well, example.
0: can't I just do that anyway? I mean, I'm their child. I mean, they, no, want, I, I, they want me to be the person in charge of their stuff because they can't
1: handle it. I, I've been signing checks for my dad for years. you have well, you been signing his name? Well, because he said to. Or if your name is on the bank account, that's a different story. But the answer is no, you can't. If either if, if mom or dad has signed a durable power of attorney giving you authority, that takes care of the problem. But the problem is this. If mom and dad all of a sudden are alive, but they lose the ability to act on their own behalf, they lose legal capacity, they're unconscious, or they're suffering advanced stages of dementia, then they don't have the power to even sign the durable power of attorney. Then you have to go to the probate court and have your and have yourself appointed as a guardian over the body and a conservator over the finances, and that's expense that you don't need to incur, and it also takes
0: time. And there's also court monitoring that's involved when you're a guardian and a conservator over somebody, the, the court is going to stick their nose into every dime that gets spent and you have to do an accounting and you have to keep the court apprised. And if you're not acting in the court's eyes in the way the court wants you to, the court will remove you versus your parents will, if they want to keep it private, they, they create the power of attorney and they
1: that allows you to be helping them
0: while nobody else is involved in your
1: business. Let me give you an example, a specific example where it becomes a problem that we see all the time in working with Pat Samasco, who's our elder law expert on, on law and reality, is Medicaid planning. Mom or dad are in a situation where they need to go into the nursing home on an immediate basis and... Pat's been called in to do emergency Medicaid planning, which is Medicaid planning is planning that we do so that you have to understand the cost of a nursing home is nine to twelve thousand dollars a month. The average stay is 31 months. If you have limited resources at home, unless you take steps to do Medicaid planning, all of those resources will be used up very quickly to pay for the nursing home, leaving the other spouse nothing to live off of as a basic. So what we do is Pat does emergency Medicaid planning where he takes the steps that can be taken between husband and wife so that Medicaid pays the cost of the nursing home and the assets are preserved. You can't, one of the critical things that often has to happen is the deed to the house has to be at least converted to a ladybird deed. You have to have, let's say mom is widowed and she needs to sign that deed. A lady ladybird deed designates the grantee of the deed, the person who receives the property, but it's only effective upon death. Mom can change her mind short of that period of time. Here's the problem. If mom lacks legal capacity and she needs to immediately sign the ladybird deed before she goes into the nursing home, she's not going to be able to do it. Why is it important? Because under Medicaid law, the house is exempt while you're living, but if the house remains in the estate upon death, Medicaid gets a lien for all the money they've paid. What, what that
0: Let me just translate that a little bit. What, what that means is, is that if you are going into a nursing home and you own a house, Medicaid allows you to own a house, you can have $2,000 cash in the bank, and... You get to a keep car. a car, and you get $60 a month from all of your earnings that you have coming in. So if you want to protect that house, what's going to happen is is when you die, if you don't protect the house, Medicaid's going to put a lien on it, and then they're going to force the sale of the house. If you do the Medicaid planning properly, you can protect the house, give it to your children, your grandchildren, whoever you want it to go to, the Dog and Cat Foundation of America – wherever you want it to go, and it, Medicaid
1: will not be able to get their mitts on the house. But the key is to have that durable power of attorney in place— signed by mom or dad so that you can then make the transfers while they're living, even though they may have dementia and no longer have the ability to act on their own behalf. It's even more important. If you didn't have the power of attorney, you can't sign for them and they can't sign for themselves. And that power of attorney has to be fully complete. It has to
0: make sure it covers the ability to write a deed, the ability to do... Medicaid planning, the ability to gift, the ability to manage the affairs of your parents or your or your spouse or your siblings, whoever it is that's giving you the power of attorney. If, if it doesn't cover everything, and there's a lot of powers of attorney that have been drafted in the past by various agencies, et cetera, that are insufficient and don't
1: do what is necessary to protect you the estate. You definitely need one that's properly drafted. All right. Let's go on to the next document, no patient advocate. What's that about? Well,
0: Patient Advocate is the document that allows you to make medical decisions on behalf of your parent, your spouse, your child. And the important uh, situation here is, is that the parent the spouse the child whoever you're making those medical decisions for is incapable and unable to make decisions for themselves and so you become that person you become you're making the proper decision on their behalf and people think oh I can make a decision for my child it's not a problem well I'll tell you something my daughter turned 18 years old when she turned 18 I wished her a happy birthday I gave her her birthday present and I handed a patient advocate to her and I said sign here dear And she said, what's this? I said, this is so that when you go away to college and you have medical needs, I can make medical decisions on your behalf and the doctors will talk to me. Without having that patient advocate, you're an adult. Yes, your kid is still your kid. And no, they're not really an adult at age 18, but legally they are. And you don't get to make medical decisions for them on their behalf anymore without the proper patient advocate.
1: So that's when you need when you have children that are in college, but you also need that for your parents and for your spouse. Your elderly parent that's in the hospital uh, goes actually goes from the nursing home to the hospital. The hospital now says, do, you have, do we have a patient advocate on file so that we can then follow the directions that you give to the hospital in terms of whether you want codes or whether you want life support and so forth or whether you want... Uh, person to go in 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 a peaceful type of a hospice type of procedure the biggest problem occurs when you have siblings that disagree if siblings disagree as to how mom is to be cared for at the hospital the hospital's caught in the middle and then they won't do anything because they don't want to get sued so if mom has a patient advocate and says sister or daughter betty makes the decisions the hospital will honor what daughter betty says and and
0: people think that Oh, that that could never happen. Oh, we all we all agree on what's best for mom or dad. And I'm going to tell you something. It's been proven numerous times that people don't agree. The best example is a Supreme Court case in Ray Shivo where a woman was in a persistent vegetative state for over 10 years while her husband said pull the plug and the mother said nail it into the wall and it went to the Supreme Court. And I'll tell you what. I There's think no it went to the reason for like three times didn't yeah, I think it? it was two or three times. There's no reason for that. If you have your directives in a patient advocate, then the person you charge with the responsibility to make your medical decisions is going to act on your behalf and there is no litigation. there is no court. It's just you get your wishes taken care of.
1: Next one ready? Sure. no guardianship provision for minor children. Oh my goodness what a disaster that is. Two, two parents with a young child, both parents happen to get hit on the same bus, get killed, killed in a car accident, horrible tragedies. Or you also have a single parent issue. If you're single parent and something happens to you, who's going to take care of your minor children? If you have a will with a guardian provision, that provision will be honored, and you are then selecting the person to take care of your children when you're no longer here. If you don't have that provision, then it's going to be by appointment of the probate judge and the question is going to be who's going to step up to take care of the children and is there going to be a dispute between the grandparents, this, the brothers and the sisters. You get all sorts of family trauma that arises in that situation which is very difficult and bad for the children and it can be easily avoided. If you have young children you absolutely need to have a guardianship provision addressed, and it must be done in a will.
0: You know, it's funny because that's the one of the things that people say to me, oh, I'm young, I got little kids, I don't have an estate, I don't have any money, so I don't really need to do any estate planning. And the funny thing is is that money is the least important thing in all of these documents. Passing on the estate... Your money. If you didn't do estate planning, you know what? It Michigan is gonna ha- has laws in place that send your money where where you to your relatives, to your next of kin, etc. But it doesn't have laws in place that take care of your patient advocate. Doesn't have laws that play that put in place your power of attorney. And it certainly doesn't have laws in place to establish guardianship without going in front of a judge. And do you really want your Children's lives controlled by somebody wearing a black nightgown holding the hammer in their hand? I'm pretty sure that's not the way I want it. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Would you say nightgown?
1: Yeah, black nightgown with the hammer in their hand. Obviously, you're not in circuit court very. I don't go often to court very often. For those often, those circuit court judges that happen to be listening to the show—that was Brian Small who said <laughs> that, not Ken Gross. Just for the record, because um, I'm because uh, I'll be there shortly. <laughs> All right, next category, sign documents you should not have signed. This oh. is a this is a big one. This, this is where you do, have do, do done you have something hours for me you shouldn't talk? have done. Absolutely not. Okay. Because we want the short, good, concise version. But let me give you the first one, and then you tell me about it. I decided to add my child to my house. So I it created a deed, and I put the deed to... Clover Lawn with me and my son, Bill, as joint tenants with right of survivorship. Oh, goodness. You didn't. Did you really do I that? Did it, well, let me tell you why I did this, Brian, because I don't, I, I'm widowed, and when I pass away, I don't want the house to have to go through probate, so by putting Bill's name on the deed with me, I know that when I die, Bill will get the house. Isn't that true? 100% correct. If... You die
0: first, Bill will own the house outright. And if Bill dies
1: first? You still own the house. And then I'll have to give it to somebody else. Yeah, but- So what's the big deal? What did oh, I do it's wrong? What's the big deal?
0: Well, let's start off with, did you, let's say you and your son have a falling out. Let me give you an, a real life example. I represent uh, the husband of, excuse me, the, 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 the daughter violent. of- one of the uh, people that did this they deeded their house to himself his daughter and his son tenancy joint tenants with full rights of survivorship
1: All right so the son and daughter both are on the deed
0: right with dad yeah and then he had a falling out with the son 10 years ago dad happens to own this house it's paid in full but dad doesn't have the ability to walk upstairs anymore dad needs a smaller house that he can handle by himself. It's on one level. Well, son and dad don't talk. And dad said, I want to sell the house. And son said, okay, write me a check for $100,000 when you sell the house, and I will let you sell the house. You're kidding. Son can do that? Well, son can keep the house from being sold Son has control. When you own the house, joint tenants with full rights of survivorship, the old school way of doing things, now what happens is is that somebody else controls your destiny. And it could be even worse. The son files bankruptcy. Because, and now...
1: he got financial problems. Yeah, and you put your kid on the so deed. So this isn't the son that's mad at dad, just any son. Yeah. The child who's on the deed files bankruptcy. Yeah, now there's a for
0: sale sign in your front yard by a Chapter 7 trustee who's selling the house out from under you. And you say, but I didn't mean for that to happen. my house all It's along. my house. All I did this for was estate planning purposes. And the trustee says, yeah, but you gave him half the house. You gave him a third of the house. We're selling it.
1: So you're saying there's nothing I can do if
0: I'm dead? You can defend it. You can defend the action by the bankruptcy trustee and spend thousands of dollars defending it.
1: You mean a bankruptcy trustee wouldn't just say, I realize that it's your house and not go after it? Nope, nope, because bankruptcy trustees have a job. Their job is to marshal assets
0: and distribute them to the creditors of the, the debtor who files the bankruptcy. And if mom and dad have done this... It could have happened. Child doesn't even know that they're on the deed to mom and dad's house, and it still creates a problem because
1: they discover it. The trustee discovers it doing property searches under the grant yeah. and under the yeah. Under and the, it's not what under you the intended. Name of the uh, sign, uh, the name but, of the debtor
0: who filed bankruptcy. What was your intention? Your intention when you die is to have your assets go to your children, your spouse, whoever it is. And by doing it, by adding your kids to the deed, instead of doing something like a ladybird deed. Well, yeah. Or, what
1: what is the solution to that problem?
0: Is well, what I want to a trust. Out.
1: That's you, one. How, how is trust the solution to that problem?
0: By deeding the house from parent to the trust, the trust then distributes the assets to the children or the heirs, whoever you want it to go to. Upon your death. You still have complete control of the house. And it doesn't go through probate. And it doesn't go through probate. Thus, avoiding the costs.
1: Thus, giving you that old school result properly. And avoiding the risk of having this problem with the joint tenants with right of survivorship. Yeah. But alternatively, what about doing a lady, Lady Bird deed?
0: So we do a Lady Bird deed that still gives... Mom and dad who own the house, complete control, or dad who's a widower, complete control over the house up until the day he dies. And then it goes to whoever it's
1: deeded to. In the Lady Bird deed. In the Lady Bird deed, right. So here's the point. Either one of those solutions solves this problem. The thing you want to take out from the show is if you have done a deed to your child as joint tenants with rights of survivorship... You should undo that transaction and do it the right way. That was a mistake. It was the old school way things were handled, but it is not the right way to do it in modern times. It's too risky. There's no reason to do it that way. A Lady Bird deed is a better op- outcome. A trust is a better outcome, and neither are expensive pro- propositions. Okay, next problem. Problems where documents are created, but something is missing. Oh, that happens all the
0: time. I'll tell you, it happened to my parents. Give me an example. I went and said, they said, we need to have the family meeting. And so I said, this is great. Let's have the family meeting. We did, They said they wanted us to know where all of our estate planning documents were and all the stuff. And I said, this is great. I went over and I read all the documents. And I said to them, so I assume that the lawyer that helped draft this, many, many, many years ago after I told them, I said, we need to redo it anyway because it's not currently compliant with HIPAA and some other things. But I said, so did the lawyer help you fund your trust? And my dad, who's a very smart guy, gives me this blank look. I said, did you deed your house into your trust? Did you change your bank accounts into the name of the trust? Did you make your beneficiaries of your mutual funds, your IRAs, and your 401Ks to be your trust. And I still get that blank stare. And I said, okay, I'm assuming that the answer is no. And my mom pipes up. She says, well, we put one bank account in
1: the trust. What? I said,
0: "I said, so you want your estate probated
1: then? Well, I'll put that one bank account.
0: And she says, well, no, that's why we did the trust. If you don't fund your trust, then your stuff is getting probated. We've got to back up a little.
1: Right so here's the thing if you if you have a if all you have is a will and any assets other than real estate if you own a house as tenancy by the entirety as husband and wife when you pass away by operation of law the house goes to the surviving spouse but if you're widowed at that point and you own the house in your name unless you've done a lady deed or you funded the house into a trust the house is going to have to be probated. Same thing with bank accounts. If you do a beneficiary designation at death, then it won't go through probate. But any assets that don't have a beneficiary designation at death, non-real estate assets, so there's no Lady deed, those are going to go by will, require the probate process. A way of avoiding probate is to create a living trust which does everything that a will does but it avoids probate as long as you have funded the assets into the trust before you've passed away. When clients come into us to do estate planning, a lot of times the conversation goes, "Well, I don't need a trust, I just want a simple will." The reality of the situation is proper estate planning is most of the time is spent meeting with the client, explaining the options and making sure that they the documents deliver the end result that the client wants, and then meeting with the client to sign the documents. When we draft documents, whether we draft a simple pour-over will, which is only two pages, with a trust, which covers all of the transfers of the assets, or instead we do a long will and we don't do a trust, the time to draft the documents is virtually the same. So there's no reason to do just a simple will when you can get a trust done for essentially the exact same time and expense, and it gives you the ability to avoid probate. Probate is not the end of the world, but it's an unnecessary expense, and it's a hassle, and it comes at the time after a loved one has passed away. And all it does is add to the aggravation and pressure that and the, the survivors financial, The
0: financial pressure that's out there because you're already dealing with the costs of funerals and loss of income into a household possibly. So the reality is is that the cost of probating even a simple estate is usually two to three, even four times as much as what it costs to do a straightforward estate plan.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's let's take a break. Let's do announcements. And then I want to come back and do one more scenario where things weren't thought out correctly. I want to remind our listeners to watch the TV version of One Reality every Sunday, eleven o'clock a.m. on TV Twenty. We also have a monthly contest. Every month, we give away a free fifty-dollar Visa gift card a copy of my book, Dump Your Debt, and a Lawn Reality golf hat. All you have to do is go onto the Lawn Reality website. The homepage has a spot for you to enter into the monthly contest. You can enter in every month. doesn't matter if you've already won. You can enter in the following month um, and go and take advantage of it. We have a sem- seminars coming up on Wednesday, October 17th. It just so happens that we're talking about this topic today. Estate planning is not an option. We're going to go over the essential elements of an estate plan, how to avoid probate, and we're also. You going mean to...
0: not estate planning is not an option? Correct. Yeah. Right. And well, we are going to go over the essential elements of an estate right. plan. That's I have the. Avoiding I have the title, probate? And it's wrong to... on the website right. as well. How to avoid a probate fight. And. Uh,
1: no, oh. estate planning is not an option, is correct. Okay. You, you say have so. to do estate planning, it's not optional. You must do so. Okay. We're good. And then uh, I'm going to
0: talk about estate planning, wills and trusts. You're going to talk a little bit about it, too. And then we're going to have Jeff Linden who's going to come in and talk about how to avoid a probate fight. Everybody that attends gets a
1: $300 gold certificate off the cost of an estate plan. Then on Wednesday, November 7th, we have another free seminar, I'd Rather Eat Turkey Than Be a Debt Turkey. This is going to talk about how to eliminate debt Using bankruptcy and also how to eliminate debt outside of bankruptcy, preserving future income for you and your family. You're speechless with the I, name of I that am. seminar. I am. I'm absolutely I speechless. With I'd rather eat s-
0: turkey than be a
1: debt turkey. I'm sorry. That one's. That one's all right. It's very good for Thanksgiving. Sometimes you have said that my titles to the seminars have been repeating themselves over the this years. This one is original. I'm sure this is an original. It's an original. We're going to talk about all the methods that we use to eliminate debt. Brian and I are going to go through our systems. Brian's also going to talk about uh, budget management. Jenny is going to be there and talk about how to resolve tax problems. Attendees, get a free copy of my book, Dump Your Debt. Sign up at lawn, and sign up for all the seminars at lawandreality.com, thavgross.com, or you can call the offices at 888-235-HELP. Then also, remember, you can always come in at ThavGross for a free consultation. If it's estate planning or financial issues with Brian, tax issues with Jenny Lingle, workers' comp and disability issues with Jeff Kirshner, business issues with myself, elder law issues with Pat Samasco, just go to the websites, request a free consult where the spot is, and we'll call you and schedule it, or you can just call the offices at 888-235-HELP. Also, check out free reports on the website, how to save your home from foreclosure, Pat Samasco's Retiree's Guide to Social Security and Business Formations, Loans and Grants in the City of Detroit. I hear coming soon there's going to be a spectacular report on tax, tax problems. problems. It is nearly complete. I'm working on it as we speak. I should have it out there in probably about two weeks, would be my guess. We got two minutes left. I want to cover one more problem. The trust and will is created but it's not thought out carefully. Oh, does not that, that's that's the easy one because that
0: happens every day. The crap I read that comes in when people say, is my will and trust okay?
1: The important thing is that you, is that the lawyer must communicate with the client to make sure they understand their options. Here's an example. Most estate plans, husband and wife come in with children. Husband leaves everything to wife outright, wife everything to husband outright. If one predeceases the other, then the assets go to the children and we deal with how do we divide the assets up to the children. Do you give it to them outright or do you give it to them over time? There's a lot of things that you can do differently than that and a lot of times there's good reasons to do so. I'll give you one quick one. Husband predeceases wife. Wife then chooses to remarry the golf pro and she then leaves all of her assets and money to the golf pro and when wife passes away children get nothing happens every day it can happen it's a question of do you want to put a little bit of control over the spouse who pre uh, the one that survives to make sure the children are protected it's something that needs to be discussed if the answer is yes there's a simple solution that we go about doing it The other one you have to watch out for is you leave the money to the kids. If the kids have financial problems, you don't want that money going to their creditors. You need to take steps to protect the kids from their creditors, and we can do that in an estate plan. Very easy to do, but you have to discuss these things with the client so that the client is aware of them, and then you can address it. That's a wrap. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with Law and Reality. Drive safe.